everybody. Welcome to the Black Cast. Uh, I am joined here in studio by my pal Brad Morin. Say hello to the people. Hello, people. Hi, Brad. Hi. Now, uh, we <laughs> are going to have a fun, exciting episode with you in the very near future. But uh, before we do that, I kind of want to do a prelude. A little. It's not a prequel. It's a prelude. It's a blast from the past. It is a blast from the past that I think most people didn't get the chance to hear. So it is one of our patented repurposed paloozas. It is from the LRDG2 Inappropriate Interviews, Episode 2, Book of Shadows. Uh, from one hour and 25 minutes and 30 seconds in, it is an appearance that I made on May 22nd, 2016, where you and I spoke for about 90 minutes about all sorts of things, everything really, yeah. and I thought that we would share that with people before they heard our conversation that we are about to have, which will be featured in the next episode of the Blackcast. So sit back and think back to a simpler time, all the way back to the year 2016. Hello, little man. This was Admiral Walken for the Imperial Navy. When I'm not doing everything I can to avoid loose units on the Flesh Star Destroyer, I like to relax, little man, by perusing the articles on www.pd.net Articles about a good many things like Star Wars Armada Bolt Action Flames of War and more That's why you should all go to www.pd.net And we're back. Now we have special guests on this show all the time, but they're all sort of from the same realm, the same pedigree. Today, we're going to actually talk to someone with a very different skill set, a very different set of interests and experiences. Well, not interests. I mean, we still talk nerd, but I would like to introduce one of my oldest friends, a mate of mine from just way back. Even before that, we have mutual friends that go on for like a decade before that. You might know him as the voice of Admiral Walken from the WWPD ad between all of the podcasts. I know him as Christian Blatt of the one and only Blattcast. The man, the myth, the legend. Christian, what up? Hello, little man. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, I don't know who Christian Blatt is, but he sounds like an ass. Hey. What's up, anyway, buddy? yeah, hi, what's up, man? <laughs> uh, great to talk to you. Uh, it is I, Christian Blatt, and you know you have to be very careful with a name like Blatt. It's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T, and you can go to blackcast.com That's to find it. out what the Blackcast is all about. Like you said, it's a different skill set, but a very nerdy skill set that we deal in over there, I would say. Right on. Well, before we get to that, and that was an expertly yeah. done plug, by the way, I love that you dropped the plug better than I do. A always, B, B, C, closing. Always be closing. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So, dude, all right. We've known each other forever. We've had a mutual friend, our good buddy, John. We, yeah. He, we've both been friends with him for a bazillion years. Yeah, um, I've known him more than 30 years. You've known him almost that long. But, uh, oh, you I definitely knew him first, I, yeah. I met you in person uh, 21 years ago. So our friendship is old enough to drink here in the U.S. now. 
Oh, yeah. But it would have been able to drink in Australia for, you know, well, legally yeah. for only a couple of years, but illegally yeah, for a really long time. So yeah. let's let's talk shop here. You and I both love nerdy things, but you, and now I went the, the game route. And, you know, I love the pop culture, but you are a huge fan of the entertainment, of the pop culture, of the whole thing. And that sort of drove your career path as well. Uh, talk to us a little bit about that, because um, sure. these people yeah, don't I mean, don't know your uh, don't know your cred. Yeah, no, no, exactly. But obviously, if Brad knows me, I clearly have cred to the gills uh career wise uh, you know look i was a i was a fan of a lot of stuff that uh, people that would listen to this podcast like you know obviously your your comics your sci-fi and all that but uh i was also a huge comedy nerd and some things that people will know internationally for sure would be monty python and the kids in the hall to maybe a lesser extent yeah. and uh i think even you know wherever you live you're at least aware that here in the U.S., we have a show called Saturday Night Live because of the people who came from it. I mean, you can just say Eddie Murphy, and you could stop there. But you know, yeah. Eddie Murphy, Bill Murray, John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd. So there's all. So I was I was a huge nerd for that show. And when I was in college, I uh, I interned there for oh. uh, for half a semester, and uh, I actually. Uh, started writing and contributing jokes to the fake newscast portion of the show, which um, was a skill set that I feel like I had just developed over time. I feel like I had a good sense for taking a news story and thinking about it and figuring out what's funny about it. And if it doesn't come to me very quick, I usually move down through something else in the news and there'll be right. plenty of other things. So I don't tend to dwell on it for very long. So, you know, monologue jokes for your traditional talk show or, or chat show, if you will. And um, one of the uh, people that I was a very big fan of was a comedian named Dennis Miller, who people in the U.S. know very well because he had an HBO show and he was on SNL. Now, our international audience would probably know him best as the star of Tales from the Crypt, Bordello of Blood. That's right. Which is a movie that he loved the fact that he was in, but not because it was good, just because it's so ridiculous that he's in a vampire hooker movie. <laughs> exactly. And, the, the way he tells the story is that one of the minor Baldwin brothers, which, you know, it's, it's what, Stephen or Daniel, really. Yeah. Because uh, even Billy is, is hardly a what you would consider to be a minor Baldwin. But uh, at the last minute, they needed somebody. And uh, he said no. They offered more money. He said no. They offered more money. He said no. They offered more money. And then he picked a crazy number. He's like, I'll do your vampire hooker movie for whatever this amount was. And they're like, okay. And he's like, well, I guess I'm going to Vancouver to shoot a vampire hooker movie. <laughs> And uh, it, it's a great tactic that's worked throughout his career because he legitimately doesn't like to work that hard. So he's like, no, this is what it would cost for me to actually put the effort into it. So he ended up like hosting a game show that way because he didn't really want to do it. And he was just like, this is how much it'll cost. So anyway. But he, uh, also, so, but he was also one of the hosts of um, Monday Night Football at one point. Yeah, the so commentators. This is, yeah, this is this is American football. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, well, a lot of Australians and I know a lot of Americans listen to this show too, but a lot of sure. Australians watch uh, Gridiron. Yeah, and so he was kind of brought in just to kind of do something different to have a comedian there in the booth. And the way he tells the story is actually very funny. He was doing his first live broadcast of Monday Night Football. It was a preseason game. It was the Hall of Fame game, and. He uh, turns to Al Michaels, who is a legendary broadcaster, a sports broadcaster here in the U.S. Like, 
if you're if you've ever heard the highlight of the 1980 men's Olympic team in the Winter Olympics, the Miracle on Ice, do you believe in miracles? That is Al Michaels. He was calling the World Series when there was the earthquake in San Francisco. I could go was, on. Yeah. yeah. So like anyway, so he's sitting there with Al Michaels and this other guy Dan Fouts, who was a quarterback for the Chargers, and he he like hits his cough button, you know, to like turn off his mic. He's like. I just feel like I should tell you that this is the first NFL game I've ever actually been to. <laughs> so he'd, he'd watched on TV his whole life, but he'd never yeah. actually been to one. And, uh, you know, look, it, it's one of those things that uh, some people really appreciated. They thought it was funny. And he did kind of get the hang of it after a while, you know, that don't come in there with prepared long bits. It's more about, like, throwing quips and zingers and mm-hmm. quick little jokes in there. And uh, I think he really got the hang of it. And, uh, you know, and then he, he did it for two years and he had a third year on his contract that he got paid out for because they instead brought in John Madden, one of the best broadcasters of, of sports, mm-hmm. you know, one of the best of all time. So much so he has a video game series named after him. Oh, so yeah. clearly, you know, he, he and Mike Tyson, you know, I mean, who, yeah, <laughs> who, exactly. who are bigger luminaries than those? And I don't want to come on here and, and tell all uh, Dennis's. Stories, I was going to say, so this is. We're talking Dennis's cred, not yours. There, there is a Mike Tyson story. I feel like I will tell at one point if, oh, we, please. if we talk long enough. But anyway, uh, so yeah, he did that for a long time, but he also did a, a series. Of, he did a, several different series of talk shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, one on HBO for a long time, and I met him. Uh, I got to know him on one that he did for a cable channel called CNBC, mm-hmm. and um, that actually has aired internationally his uh, talk show I, I know people that like you know would see it on vacation all around the world including in australia actually and um as an aside that show was uh where i met my wife i was a uh, low-level production assistant she was an intern and uh, we got to know each other there but that's also where i met dennis so it's like literally my life changed by working on that show because mm-hmm. i would write jokes and the uh, other writers would write me into little bits and little sketches and I'd wear costumes, and and Dennis liked that my delivery was fearless, but it wasn't polished. It wasn't actory. You know, I would just yeah. go out there. I'd give it. I'd give it my best. I would try and make the line funny, but you know, there was just something that he liked about that. So I seem I to remember up, you being dressed as a, a drunk frat boy and a gay spider. I think those were some uh, of my favorites. I, I was a gay spider once. I, I was in a chimp suit one time. <laughs> That's um, right. I was with uh, three other guys dressed in uh, in lingerie. Uh, I was an astronaut. Um, I, yeah, I can't even remember now because this is this is like twelve years ago at this yeah. point. So I don't even remember so many of them. Of course, of course, I, I still have. I have a DVD with all this stuff on it. Um, I should probably you know like archive it on a hard drive or something. But anyway, so I did all this stuff, and uh, you know, then the show was abruptly canceled. Which that's show business. That's oh, just yeah. how it goes. A couple years later, I end up hearing that he has a radio show. So I started working for him there and I ended up uh, producing the radio show. And after a couple of years, I ended up kind of being the co-host of it. And I would write jokes and uh, for him, these same kind of monologue jokes that I've been writing since I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and his was the voice that I always kind of heard when I wrote that style of joke. So, you know, if you write them for other people, like Norm MacDonald, Colin Quinn, other people, you know, it, it's a little different style. You know, like you have to like kind of hear the other voices in your head and uh, and you have to think of it that way. But I always felt most comfortable writing for Dennis. 
And uh, he was always great to me, and he was uh, very much a, a supporter of mine and very encouraging. Um, and I, you know, just got to do so much because of that, that after a few years, you know, he would go on vacation or have a sick day, and then I would actually fill in, and I would guest host a national radio show. But the only reason I ever felt comfortable to bring it all full circle, the only reason I ever felt comfortable doing a, you know, sitting there and doing a national radio show was because I had started doing the black cast, you know, and yeah. this was in 13. There were already so many podcasts, but also listening to satellite radio here in the U.S., there are a lot of like after shows. So you listen to an actual radio show like Howard Stern, Opie and Anthony, mm -hmm. a lot of these shows, uh, Dan Patrick in the sports world, they have after shows where they talk about what happened on the show today. And I would start thinking about it and I'm like, well, these guys who do the after show aren't really that great, you know? Yeah. You can be intimidated by broadcasters who've been at it for 20, 30 years. But it's like these after show people, I can do that. So the idea of the Blackcast was that it was going to be us talking about the Dennis Miller show with me and the other guys, you know, having worked on there. But I don't even think that – the first episode was a half an hour. And I don't even think it lasted that half an hour. We talk about the show. We'd have regular callers from the show. But it was just me and the guys really just – just uh, chewing the fat or I know we can swear. So I would say we were literally, we were shooting the shit, you know, just talking about whatever was on our mind. And I thought it would be fun to divide it up into a couple of different areas. We had what we originally called guy talk, which was mm -hmm. a little bit of sports, a little bit of lifestyle stuff, you know, the kind of stuff you would read in like a Maxim magazine. Yeah, I was about to say Maxim magazine. Yep. It was very Maxim magazine, you know, cause it was, you know, cause there, there were no naked women, but you know, we would talk <laughs> We talk a lot about them. Actually. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so there was there was all of that. And uh, there was also a section called Nerd Talk uh, that we would do with my friend Will. And, you know, it really kind of has ha eventually evolved into uh, not being these individual standalone segments, which that was part of, like, for everybody else's schedule. We would record them at different times. But because we'd record them at different times and then edit them together, kind of like you're doing for this one, mm -hmm. you all of a sudden realize, like, wow, I have a two-hour – 20 minute podcast. So I like, I like actually sitting and just doing it straight through because then you have a sense for how people will listen to it and monitoring the time and all of that. But, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. It's fun. So if yes. you want to hear something, if that sounds appealing to you, the people that would that have a little bit of a background in comedy and uh, like to talk about nerd stuff, blackcast.com is the place for you. And yes, I will work the plug-in nice. B-L-A-D-T. CAST.com. That's right. So, now, you can find that in your on SoundCloud or uh, in your local iTunes store, which is where I Yes, you can. Right? And if you do like on iTunes, uh, please rate us and comment because that actually is a lot. Uh, is your podcast on iTunes, Brett? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We always okay, do great. it on Everything so I do is on iTunes. Sure, people should make sure that they, they also like and rate and review because – all of that stuff helps you kind of get a better positioning when people do general searches for podcasts. Exactly. So, and yes, just some other things that I work on now, I actually realize like, Oh, I get it. Yeah. You know, I try not to keep it limited to iTunes because I know Brad listens on iTunes and there've been some problems with getting our episodes posted on iTunes for a variety of reasons. They won't mm -hmm. go into <laughs> It's just nothing to do with the content. It's just a technical thing. Yeah. And I'm always like, Whereas oh, we get kicked off for content. You guys get kicked off for yeah. other things. And, and I'm just like, oh, just go ahead and find it somewhere else. And you're not the only one. There are a lot of people that are like, no, I'll just wait for it to show up on iTunes. I'm yeah. Like, All right. So I binge so, it when it when it arrives. Yeah. And for those, yeah. yeah, let me let me say as a fan, I'm a massive fan of Christian's show. I've been listening, God, for years now. 
And I mean, we've been doing it for more than three years and you started listening. I think at one point, I don't think I knew you started listening. Just all of a sudden we were, we weren't that far in, we were like maybe 10 episodes in and you were like, Oh, Hey, I really like the podcast. I was like, Whoa, okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, so, I pay, hey, I podcast. I love podcasts. I knew you podcast and I, I know that we have a great, you know, you have a great sense of humor. And I was just like, fuck yeah, I'm going to listen to this show. Um, for those who like it, look, Christian talks a lot about movies that are coming out. I know there was like three episodes about um, Batman, Batman versus, versus Superman, Superman and then you, which you appeared on. I you did? were on one of those episodes. Do you listen back to segment that you were on, or no. you're like, no, I don't want to hear myself. I I don't listen to myself. I uh, right. I have a hard enough time doing talking on a microphone. I unlike your co-host Will, who doesn't listen to anything that you guys do. Um, once he's not on it, he doesn't listen to it. Um, I actually listen to the episodes. I just fast forward the bits that i happen to be on um, yeah no no that makes sense yeah yeah but no but, like great like you did a, a recent one that started talking about the trump political campaign and then went to oh god I'm, now i'm because i'm mixing two episodes at once yeah, yeah, yeah exactly but, but the, the 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 one that is I don't, when are you posting this episode brad it'll drop this week okay so uh, yeah, it's our episode uh, one seventy six. Right, uh, with Michael Hausen, a friend of mine, Michael Hausen, who uh, you know he's uh, conservative minded on a lot of issues, and uh, so we had him in studio. We actually got to do a, a live show with uh, cameras, but then we broke it up into a couple episodes. But yeah, I mean, we just we talked about politics. We talked about the Jungle Book movie. Yep. Talked about how much I don't give a shit about Game of Thrones and I That's want people right. to stop telling me. It's like, don't tell me that I need to watch something that I just know. Look, I just know I won't like it. I get it that you like it, but just understand yeah. that I don't think I would. Exactly. You know, stuff like that. And uh, yeah, and, and and somehow hot dogs got into it. Because right. I made a note when we were going through. I was like, we talked a lot about hot dogs. That's right. But, uh, it's hey, man, American. sauerkraut on hot dogs is the thing. I got to say, you got to try yeah, it. I and I, I got to say no, that uh, Housem's right, I've man. Tried. Try it grilled. It's it's, it's, it's I, nice warm. Yeah. No, no, look, I, I've tried it. it it's just oh, it's nice. not my thing. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. It, you know what you should put on a hot dog, though, is Vegemite. That oh, God, no. Please, God. Yeah. No, and I've you, just started <laughs> eating Vegemite. I've been actually having it for breakfast for the last couple of weeks. Some Vegemite toast, and uh, I get it because I can eat it on the train while I'm drinking my coffee on the way to work. and. You, do you, do you enjoy the taste, or are you like punishing yourself for past transgression? <laughs> a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Yeah. Look, it's you gotta like it's like when you make a really dry martini, you gotta pull out the Vegemite jar and show it to the toast, and then put it back in the cupboard. Like you pull out the dry vermouth, and you just you show it to yeah. the martini, and then you put it back in the cupboard or back on the shelf. Exactly. But, yeah. dude, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the Blatt. If, if you guys are ever listening, if you're looking for something to listen to, because I know that in the bolt action and the gaming world that oftentimes your favorite podcast, it'll be Glut or was it Glutton? Gluttony? Uh, it'll, it, it's a, what, you either well, there's have, also the phrase, the phrase feast or famine. That's what I'm looking for, yeah. Right? It's like you don't have anything for like three weeks, and then all of a sudden there's a four-hour episode. Exactly. Um, I, I can explain to you sort of some of the art of taking a four-hour episode and dividing it up into <laughs> Four one-hour episodes and why that's better, but it's okay. I don't, I don't, I won't do that here on the air. But look, it's something that I had to learn. Yeah, you know. Well, our yeah. our, our record was our episode where we broke down the Amazing Spider-Man two, and that was like two hours and fifteen minutes. I think that's like your this podcast. That's like saying hello. 
two hours and 15 exactly minutes. Like, yeah getting to know your guest yeah so but yeah look i don't know we have fun and obviously people who listen to this podcast if you think you need more hours of podcasting to put into your ear holes uh yeah. blackcast.com is the place for you that's it yeah, no, seriously, like if you're looking for something and you you, know, you got a favorite movie, you're looking for different things, check out, but just check it out. Go through the, yeah. the list. There's some great stories. Um, one of Christian's uh, co-hosts ended up getting thrown off a cruise ship in Mexico and had to be smuggled back into the United States by the Canadian Secret Service. Actually, true story. Um, That's a true story, and uh, yeah, we're going to uh, repost that episode. Oh, uh, not that episode. That story, because I'm going to take that story and pair it up from our friend Will talking about auditioning for Tommy Wiseau, the star of The Room. That's right. And I'm going to sort of create the two greatest stories ever told episode. Oh, so but there's so many other good stories. No, no, no there are. But that, but those ones, like, hands down, were so good. And people kept talking about them. Yeah. And so I've always remembered. I'm like, I've wanted to do that for a while. But uh, we're on a good run. We haven't missed a week in, in uh, I don't know, months now. Yeah, I was like, you've got, what, 26, 27 so far this year? But yeah, by the time people hear this, there'll be 27 episodes posted Ooh. in less than six months. So we, we just we did a bunch of them together. And, and at a certain point, I'm like, well, I have four or five of them, you know, like in the can. I can put two up in a week. And, and that was sort of the thing that I was talking about is like, you know, they would go long. But what I started doing was when we got to around an hour and we could take a good break. I would just finish up an episode and we'd start the next one because it's like, yeah, it's just more useful to me that way. Because, exactly. you know, it, it is hard for all of us to get together. But uh, it sounds so good to talk to you on Skype. I, oh, uh, God, I, yeah. I, like we've got to Skype with the bald man at some point, you know. I mean, now, yeah. now, hold on. We we're just talking about podcasting. Let's actually get on to what we're supposed to be talking yeah, about. So, hold on. I got to say a couple so, things. So One, you want me to tell Dennis's Mike Tyson story? <laughs> we'll get to. Well, no, I want you to talk about your cred, not his. So, hold on. Yeah. I actually one of my most prized possessions, and this is probably. You might look at me and roll your eyes oh, and think, prize possessions. <laughs> you should post a pic. By the way, t- yeah, I you will. On, you're not on Twitter, are you? I'm not, but I'd use the... Um, you have to... All right. We'll stop talking about podcasting in a second. For the sake of your podcast, you need to start a Twitter for your podcast. It'll be embarrassing at first because there won't be that many people following it. But for this moment right here where we're talking about, because I know what one of your most prized possessions yeah. is... You need to be able to uh, send a picture. So I'm going to have you send me a picture, and I'm going to tweet it out, and that's not going to be the same. Exactly. But, we'll but do it anyway. It'll appear on the uh, LRDG uh, Facebook page. I'll post the picture. So, so Christian, talk tell about us what it is. T- talk about what it is, or do you want me to? You want me to give the backstory? Right, give me the backstory. I, give it to me. So uh, I worked on, in addition to working in comedy, you know, at a certain point, you just need to get a job and actually, you know, pay the bills and keep busy, network and all that. So I worked on a show called uh, Law and Order Special Victims Unit here in the United States. One of the stars of that show is the rapper Ice T. Oh yeah, and he uh, plays a police officer, which is. Very interesting because his band Body Count had a song called Cop Killer. But anyway, we move on. He was all right. But I don't want to say that he wasn't down with Whitey, but he didn't love white guys. He obviously loved some some white women. Yes. But uh, it was just a weird thing to be in a workplace with Ice-T, you know, a guy who wasn't just a rapper. But you know that, like, 
he literally had been a new Jack hustler at one point. Yes. He's been a pimp. And one of my favorite things is that he had a car with a license plate on it. And the license plate, I'll, I'll speak slowly so that everyone can understand, was P-M-P-N, the number eight, E-Z. So Pimpin' Ain't oh, Easy wow. was his license plate. And it's true. Because pimping ain't easy, but it sure is fun. And, uh, yeah, so, you know, I, I worked with him for a couple of years. And one of my uh, favorite experiences was we have these annual sexual harassment seminars that every workplace has. Just dumb luck because he was coming in a little bit later with all the other actors. I ended up sitting next to Ice-T during the <laughs> sexual harassment seminar. Oh, wow. And felt like the person leading it was speaking directly to him. It was like... It was like, so it was, it was like they were telling me, you know, because yeah. I was sitting there. So they kept looking and gesturing and I don't, I don't know what Ice thought about it. And this is what he liked to be called, by the way. He likes to be called Ice. His real name is Tracy, but he likes to be called Ice. Um, not T, not Mr. T, because that's a different guy entirely. Exactly. Uh, he pities the fool who calls Ice T, Mr. T. Now, hold on. But, you actually have Mr. T in your mobile phone. I do, actually, because he was a guest on Dennis's radio show. And um, I did need to call him legitimately for the show, but I left the number in myself because I'm like, no, this is too cool. Yeah. And I, I did actually, I got to meet him a couple of times. <sighs> he, he wanted to drop something off for me to give to Dennis, which ironically, it was a box of Snickers from Australia, candy from Australia, because right. he did a series of commercials. And uh, I guess he got into some trouble because the, the, catchphrase the tagline for the commercials was get some nuts and it was like men who weren't being very manly and uh, i guess that was seen as insensitive which i would understand here in the u.s but i was surprised because I, I don't know i guess i think of australia as being tougher than, than the u.s but apparently not so anyway he gave me some of these uh, these stickers and uh, what i brought down to him was a season three of the a-team dvd that i had already gotten signed by dirk benedict and dwight schultz oh get they, out they had been on a different time yeah so uh, uh, george papart had passed on so I, it will remain forever incomplete my set of a-team signatures yeah but uh anyway so so that was how i met him but my thing about ice T is that I was able to, because I knew that how cool you thought it was. Yeah. So I didn't do this at, at, at the same day, but I, I knew that I was leaving. I wasn't going to be going back to the show because I was moving to Los Angeles. Ironically, I ended up working in the writer's office in Los Angeles, but I wasn't working on the production side of the show anymore. So I'm like, oh, we're not supposed to do these things, but I'm definitely getting my picture with Ice-T. So I got a picture with him, but I also got a, a headshot and, and one of those publicity photos signed to Mr. Brad Morin. Oh, yeah. Still have in a frame somewhere. Yeah, it's in the bedroom. I look at it every night. <laughs> Before look, you glance at your wife and then you look longingly at a photo of my No, yeah, it sits. Like, it's actually it sits with all of my um, favorite and most important wargaming trophies. And it actually because, sure. you know, it's it's what I do. Um, and it sits there with them. That's very cool. Yeah, but anyway, so that was how I was able to get that for you was because I worked on that show. And oddly enough, at some point in my life, uh, Ice T was legitimately a coworker of mine. Oh, awesome! Now, <laughs> for those of you who are wondering why I think that's so cool, I think the biggest hippity hop fan who are, is on the LRDG might ironically be Dave of War, but I just found that out recently, which is 
hilarious. But I uh, did go through a phase earlier in life where I was a massive, and I still am a massive Public Enemy fan. But um, I did like some of the, uh, you know some old school rap, and uh, I have done some some things. But my first band ever, and I don't think I've ever said this on a podcast, was a rap group. I don't know if you knew that. What Christian. was the What was the name? I, I don't think I did know that. Uh, what was the name of your rap group? Well, by asking, I think you did know this. Um, <laughs> three white boys and a Jew. Oh yeah, I did know that. You did as soon as that. you said this, as soon as you said the name of that, yeah, it was terrible. It was high school. It was a long time ago. And then I played in a lot of other bands. That's right, anyway, because you heard you heard the episode where my friend Brian from Connecticut talked about his rap group, right? Yes. So you see, it, it, it's it's apparently it's a New England thing that yeah, uh, white guys decided they needed to start rap groups in their school. <laughs> Yep. Well, you know, then I started playing punk and reggae and ska and all that stuff. So anyway. Oh, God, you've actually seen my bands play. God, this is, you know, too many stories. The only one I ever saw, the only one I ever saw was Vicious Cycle, but I saw them a couple times. I saw them in New Orleans, and then I saw them basically, let's just say it was a house party. The other one. That's that's a nice way to describe what that gig was. But well, we uh, just we had friends in town. We had nowhere to play, and getting a band to you know getting a venue to let a band from out of town without a record label to get a you know yeah. it's it's not easy. I organized a tour, and we just could not yeah. get a gig in D.C. So uh, my girlfriend at the time's parents lent us their basement, and we basically invited all of our friends in the area to come drink beer and watch the band play. So and, it was and some, and some of us came from out of the area because that's uh, right. And I, I still have a Vicious Cycle t-shirt that I sleep in somewhat regularly, actually. So nice. I believe I had it on this morning. Maybe maybe I'll tweet out a picture of that. <laughs> eh, tweet. Eh. So, yeah. um, all right, dude. I mean, clearly we could tell stories all day long. Um, where do you want to go with this? Do you want to talk Martha's well, Vineyard? There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a really important story that <laughs> we would need to tell anyone who is a friend, associate, we're just a fan of uh, old man Morin here, uh, wherever he goes, should know about the time that he met up with myself and uh, I was, yeah. I'd rented a house after I graduated from college or should I say university? I yep. don't even know. But uh, after big boy school, uh, we graduated and we rented a house in Martha's Vineyard, which for people who don't really know, it's, it's a uh, very wealthy vacation island not too far from boston it's off the coast of massachusetts it's not far from cape cod which more people may have heard of uh not just because they make delicious potato chips named after them but we rented a house there and big bad brad took the ferry and met up with us there and uh that was the most fun night we were there that was one of the, that was one of the last nights actually oh, great. the last night i think was that the night and, that, hold on was that the night we ran into dan Aykroyd? yes okay we ran into there's there's only a couple of bars in martha's vineyard there's a couple of different corners the main one that, that we were in Edgartown, is i guess where dan Aykroyd hangs out so he was there and that was when we realized that closing time was at 1230, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, having grown up, you having grown up in Boston, myself having grown up in New York, we were in awe of the fact that when we went to Ithaca, New York for our friend's 21st birthday, the, you know, last call was at 1 a.m. Yeah. But Martha's Vineyard had to one up Ithaca yeah. and have a half hour early. But anyway, so for your sake it's good that the bar closed at 12 30 oh god i put a hurt on myself to, do you want me to explain what you were doing or yeah I, why don't you do it all right let me explain it so there was a very attractive bartender there and you as a single man at this point in your life you know yep. there's there's no problem telling tales like nope. this 
you uh, were a bit of a uh, smitten kitten, as we should say. You definitely enjoyed this uh, lady's company. And you were trying to outdrink her by ordering drinks and drinking more. Problem being, you were trying to outdrink a girl who was not actually drinking herself. You yeah. just kept having her pour drinks, and you would show off what a big man you were by uh, drinking the drinks. Yep. And uh, somewhere I know I have a photograph of this bartender because we gave her the camera to take a picture of us, which this was at a time when people never went out with cameras and never nope. asked people to take pictures. But I, you know, this was like a, I, I knew what a legendary moment this was going to be. But uh, so she did the thing that sometimes people do when they try to take selfies with your phone now is uh, she took a picture of herself. But anyway, so I remember what she looks like because of that. Yep. And uh, you were, hmm, you Blind. were wasted, uh, shit-faced, um, ossified, you know, all these words that mean the same thing. You weren't belligerent, though. You know, you no. were very happy drunk, but boy, were you wasted. Yep. And so we had to leave because last call was at 1230. So then we uh, got a cab or something, and we went to, like, a house party that a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend knew about. That sucks. The, it was terrible. It was a whole lot of dudes with really long hair, and that was about it. My friend Rob and I still talk about this one guy who was there. He had a T-shirt. It was the it was the Dunkin' Donuts logo, oh, yeah. but it said "fucking go nuts." And so Rob and I will still talk about that because it was so memorable. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we so we're at this party, and then we realize like the biggest problem with Martha's Vineyard is that. It's really isolated and things are very far and cellular phone, mobile technology was not what it was then, but we of course didn't have them in 1998. You know, right. it was very hard to get a taxi and you had to wait and keep waiting. Yeah, you did. So you were not three sheets to the wind. I would say you were nine or 12 sheets to At the that wind. Point. Yeah. And uh, anybody who knows Brad probably knows he has a propensity to uh, pass out and just go to sleep. Very suddenly and uncontrollably. I haven't I done that in a really much. long time, by the way. I mean, I I can think of I can think of times that I've seen it this century, so <laughs> it, you know it hasn't been that long. But this was like in the heyday of that. So you just stretch out and lay down in a ditch because we were out in the street. You didn't want to lay down in the street. Nope. You didn't want to lay down on the shoulder because it makes sense. So you laid down in a ditch. And uh, that's a great picture that I have that, again, you could tweet out if you had a Twitter for your podcast or even a Facebook page for your podcast. You could share that picture. With I have a Facebook you... page for my podcast, and that's where I'll put these. We'll, uh, you, we'll see how well you do with this. Okay. Social okay. media. Uh, but anyway, so that was that was like a legendary night because it was one of those things that you, you know, I was close to where you were, but you weren't actually, you know, so you traveled. We met up. It was literally like, I don't know, 24 hours that we were together in Martha's Vineyard. So it was just one of those crazy, this was like my, my week after, after college was over, you know, it was like, in, in theory, the real world was supposed to start after that week. It didn't, and it kind of still hasn't, but you know, <laughs> yeah. it was supposed to, you know, that was kind of supposed to be one of those last hurrahs that, uh, you know, but uh, I don't know, made very, that much more memorable because it was all, all of my uh, best friends from college and also you whom I'd known much longer. So, uh, so yeah, so that was, uh, that was fun. And, uh, I recommend that everyone listening, hang out with Brad and Martha's Vineyard some weekend. Oh, mate. Oh, I absolutely wish I could get down to the vineyard more, uh, more often. That was the worst accent ever, but, uh, yeah, 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 dude. All right. 
Something needs to be said. I have been a fan of the karaoke for a long time. And if you've listened to the LRDG or to the Dwellers Below or to any of the other podcasts I've been on, at some point or another, I've talked about my joy of wargaming karaoke. Now, a good chunk of that has come from my time growing up in Japan and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. But I have to say, I have done countless hours of karaoke on many continents, in many cities, with many, many, many people. But I have never seen anyone take karaoke to the level that you do, Christian. It is truly amazing. Um, okay, would you like it, to? It, would you like a, me it, to explain why, or would you, you like can explain to explain it? I will just okay. explain that it's a form of art, and look, some of us just—that's how we can express ourselves. Uh, we're not songwriters, but we are gifted with the gift of reading words from a screen and yelling what they are and pretending that we're singing. So you know that karaoke was something very easy for me to embrace because. Um, I like making an ass of myself. Um, I'm not a particularly good singer, but that just means sing louder, you know, and be more confident and uh, everybody will go along. You can describe what it's like because, you know, I, I the biggest burden that I have to bear is that I can never watch myself karaoke because I am the performer. This is true. Now, now <laughs> keep in mind, up until I went karaoke with you. I thought the absolute pinnacle of karaoke was Dave of War, full metal style, you know, back when he had long hair, helicopter herring, and doing his big bass voice, doing Man, I Feel Like a Woman by Shania Twain. I thought that was the pinnacle. And then I saw I would, you... I, by the way, I would like to see that. that, oh. that I feel I would love to follow that, you know, do a duet or something. So. That would be beautiful. But Christian puts not only 150% into his karaoke performances there's there's heart there's soul there's bleeding there's spittle there's just everything that you could possibly want in a performance and then right before every song goes on he takes off his shirt not to show his impressive physique but to reveal the shirt of the band he's about to sing this is true I, i pack a bag of 20 to 30 shirts and i don't get through all of them and yes, there are shirts that have been acquired solely so that they can be worn during karaoke. In fact, my wife gave me one of my favorite gifts of a t-shirt, which was the Digital Underground Humpty Hump, Humpty Dance t-shirt. That I was I about to say it's the Digital Underground one, yeah, isn't it? I was. It was always lacking was that I didn't have a Digital Underground. I still don't have a Young MC t-shirt, but you can't have one for all of them. But I have for pretty much everything that I sing, I have a shirt for. And I just think it's fun. I started doing it for our friend Katie's birthday one year. I just thought it would be a fun thing to do. So to excuse myself to the restroom and change my shirt and then come in and then reveal for each song. And, like, and then he realized pretty quickly, like, wow, he is really changing his shirts. Now, these are like the private karaoke rooms. Yeah. I don't usually – actually, I don't think I've ever done a costume change for – a big karaoke, you know, where everybody is just watching you up on a stage or, you know, in a bar or something like that. Uh, but for the private karaoke rooms, you know, it's, it's a more intimate gathering. I, I like to give the VIP experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. 
So hold on. You also go to um, what is it? The world's greatest tribute bands, um, and you sure, and yeah. you you go watch bands dress up and play as other bands. But yeah, sometimes they, they don't dress up as much. But yeah, I mean they are, uh, and we've talked a lot about this uh, on my podcast. And I've gotten to know the host of the show really well. Uh, Katie Darrell's her name, and yeah, she does a show at the very famous, the world famous Whiskey A Go Go. They do a television show, and it's tribute bands. It's pretty great. It's such a simple idea, but it wasn't on TV before she had the idea so some of it is is amazing because like bands that you could never have seen like the doors or the nirvana one was great and i had never seen nirvana but then some of it is like i saw guns and roses one this year you know and the pink floyd band did uh dark side of the moon in its entirety so you know you get just a, a pretty wide range of bands like there was a beastie boys one you know stevie wonder frank sinatra johnny cash so you know it's not the neil diamond one was great so you know you get some crazy you know, mixes of, of genres and performers. And yeah, I mean, that's way bigger than karaoke, you know, because right. these are, as the name implies, these are like the world's best, you know, they have like, they perform, people spend money to see them. And this is a great opportunity for them to be on television. But uh, yeah, I, I might sing along though. I was going to say there's, a, but hold on, isn't there a post party? I, I know that there was, yeah, you there, and there, fake there, Bono have some sort of feud or you did at one point. No. Coltrane uh, has a feud. Uh, he thinks he has a feud with Fake Bono, <laughs> who I guess uh, disrespected me, but I really didn't care. This fake Bono got to sing with real Bono at the forum here in L.A., and there was video of it that I saw. He got pulled out of the audience. Bono couldn't believe that this guy dressed like him could sing so well. So uh, I was actually really happy for that guy, but Coltrane wouldn't give it up, and he was like, nope. He's like being loyal to me by disliking fake Bono. But yeah, there would be carry there was like a karaoke after party at the end of the season for the last two years. Actually it wasn't this year. I, I sang with the uh, Elton John tribute guy, uh nice. the Billy Idol tribute guy joined in once and yeah, it, it's it's fun. See that's those are good settings where I'm very comfortable. Songs in front of any kind of audience that I'm gonna do though are going to be up-tempo, big rock and roll songs like uh, Cheap Trick Surrender is my number one. And in that setting, I would probably do like every like, Kiss rock and roll all night. Although my favorite moment performing karaoke in front of the crowd was actually in Nashville, Tennessee. I did Bust a Move. It was a, there's a picture that I have somewhere. Was, like You can see the front row. It's all cowboy hats. And I'm up there doing Bust a Move, and they loved it. People were buying me drinks all night. Nice. And uh, yeah, so that was fun. That was a great setting. And then, and then for the second one, they wanted me to go again. So I, I picked Just a Gigolo by David Lee Roth, and they were much less impressed. But um. I just like to be able to do that that part at the end where he goes, like, Hamala Babla Zebla Babla, Hamala Zebla Bebla Bop, but was he Bozy Bop? Zitty Bop, and nobody cares about that except me. So. Exactly. Hey, I care. I love it. That's my kind of jam. Next time we karaoke, you and I will duet on Just a Gigolo. Oh, dude, I'm going to have to practice. It'll be good. Dude. All right, if you have to practice, it's not karaoke. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, that's true. Well, that's all right. Well, hey, something that we talk a lot about when I'm on your show is, is pop culture stuff, specifically sure. movies and television and things like that. Now, we've talked a lot about all the big movies that have been out and maybe a few things that are coming out. 
But um, I know that you're a little jealous of us at the moment um, because we seem to be getting things a week early. Yeah, and it's funny. It never used to happen that no, way. No, it was the other way. And for some yeah, reason, Australia is... Yeah, when you and our friend, uh, mutual friend John lived in Japan, like movies would come out sometimes six, eight months after they would here. Oh, yeah. And uh, But now it's like Australia, like movies always come out. I mean, it's not just Australia, but it's Australia. Movies come out sometimes two, three weeks earlier. Mm-hmm. So X-Men Apocalypse is already out there. Now, you haven't seen it, so no. I don't feel it's bad because I feel like I would be afraid to talk to you because you'd give something away without realizing it. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, Dave of War is is literally watching it while we speak. So, yeah. And I'm just thinking, oh, I'm going to be hanging out with him tonight. Don't tell me. Yeah. Anything. No, I mean, very excited about that. And uh, we're planning to do a uh, very special episode of the podcast. I think uh, me and the guys, Will and Jeff, we're going to bring our ladies. I'll bring my lovely wife, Heather. Will bring his wife, Nicole. And Jeff will bring his girlfriend Natasha who by the way I exclusively call Romanoff because her name is Natasha and nice the cool thing about her she got it she knew what was up so uh, I'm, like, all right. I'm like alright I like you she convinced him on a way when this is revealed in Blackcast number 177 which I guess is the new episode when people hear this she figured out a way for him to watch Doctor Who where he enjoyed it and um, I, that I won't give away that is revealed in our episode and uh, I think purists of the show will be driven crazy by what he decided to do but it completely made sense to me but anyway we're gonna all go with our ladies and have a, a very romantic triple date to an x-men movie followed by a, a podcast where we all talk about it so that should be fun trying to multi-purpose all, all you know multitask during all of all of our time you know anytime i can be recording a podcast i do like i'm recording this one with you uh while i'm giving my son a bath not really but i, I could <laughs> yeah exactly you can do that yeah, yeah it's okay yeah, exactly so hold on. Let's so, talk Apocalypse. What are you excited about? Uh, I'm excited about uh, just there being another X-Men movie, first of all. Oh, because, yeah. Because, you know, there it was a little bit of a drought for a while there because of a, a couple of huge missteps. Mm-hmm. Uh, the terrible Brett Ratner, uh, X-Men 3, The Last Stand, the even worse X-Men Origins Wolverine, mm-hmm. you know. And it was good to have the X-Men back and Days of Future Past was everything I wanted it to be. Yeah. So I think this is good. I know that this one's set in the 80s and there's going to be a lot of characters in there. I'm excited about Mohawk Storm. Yes. Like Storm Mohawk was Storm when I first started reading the X-Men. Oh, I yeah. didn't know her as the, the weather goddess. You know, she was like the, the cool chick with the leather, like, she had a leather jacket and she had a leather vest. Yeah, exactly. And uh, it was just, it was very cool, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I like that. That's a good look. I heard a rumor that I think has been disproven, so I'll share it. I had heard that Dazzler was going to be in it. And, oh, that would have been that, awesome. And that Taylor Swift was going to play her. What? Um, yeah, <laughs> you're like, well, that would have been less awesome. Yeah. But uh, it's apparently not true. Oh, but, that uh, would have been, that still, would've, that would have been. Having amazing. Dazzler and it would have been amazing because. In 1983, it would be a little bit that she could still kind of be Disco Dazzler. Well, hold on. I don't think that's something we should sweep by. We're actually to the point where, because, look, I love Days of Futures Past, and I know that's a comic book series you loved as well. Um, And then going back, um, X-Men First Class, I thought those two movies were sensational, especially since they unwrote The Last Stand and, you know, quite a lot of the the really bad And also X-Men Origins Wolverine. Oh, yeah. Very 
specifically undid his backstory from that. And undid it's, Deadpool? No, no, no. Well, they undid the bad Deadpool. Exactly. They undid the Deadpool from X-Men Origins Wolverine, and then we were able to logically have the great Deadpool movie that we got earlier this year. That was very important, and, you know, drives my friend. Well, he's our mutual friend, Will. You know, he's oh, yeah. the guy I do the podcast. You know, it drives him crazy when I say this, but Brian Singer, you know, single-handedly with one decision – destroyed two franchises he made that terrible superman returns movie yes, and did. by leaving the x-men franchise brett ratner came in and ruined that so mm-hmm. you know just stick with what you know because he makes great x-men movies yes you know? he does. if he wants to make another unusual suspects called like unusual suspects go right ahead yeah. I, I won't stop him yeah, but exactly. just keep making x-men movies and he makes great x-men movies that's he does. the point there so I'm excited for this one. This is our X-Men. Like, these are our yeah. X-Men. Like, there's there's different generations of comic fans and different iterations of the X-Men team and, you know, this, that, and the other thing. The same is true with all good comic book series. Like, But you and I sort of picked up, because I know from listening to the most recent Bloodcast what your first issue of X-Men was, which was 176. Yeah, yeah um, because we had Bloodcast 176 and X-Men 176 was my first issue mm-hmm. and i i talked about this with uh, a great x-men creator chris claremont and he of course remembered what the issue was and he thought it was funny that that was my first one because and by the way this summer um actually in the next few weeks i'm going to repost that interview with chris claremont at blackcast.com because i think it's timely with there being a new x-men movie i think people should get a chance if they want to to hear that mm-hmm. um anyway x-men 176 Spoiler alert, it's Cyclops versus an octopus. Yes. So I think it's a giant. The epic battle. The battle that you'd all been waiting for. And you would think like, well, what would bring you to read X-Men 177 once you read that? And, (laughs) uh, you know, there were a couple of couple of pages of like other stories going on. I'm like, all right, I'll see what's going on. I'll see Mm -hmm. what this is all about. But uh, yeah, so that's the era, though, where it was Storm, Colossus, Wolverine, Kitty Pride. And Nightcrawler. Uh, yeah, Rogue was there, but I don't know that Rogue's in this movie. I don't think she is actually. Nightcrawler, yeah, uh, yeah, Cyclops. Not Jean Grey, except I think Jean. Except, actually, I know Jean Grey's in this movie. At yeah. this point in the comic books, in the eighties, Jean Grey was dead. Yeah, but and we had only, Madeline Pryor. Only to stay, only to stay dead for a little while. And yeah, then there was her clone. That, when stuff like that started getting explained in the mid nineties, my interest definitely started to wane. Yes, and as I've talked about. There was a point where I kept buying X-Men comics because I liked them so much. And then when I realized that an entire year's worth of them had piled up on red, I'm like, all right, I guess, I guess I'm not into this anymore. Yeah. It was a painful decision, but uh, yeah. it, it meant more beer money. So there was that. Exactly. I talked about it earlier in this episode. I'm spending a lot of time revisiting my childhood loves recently. Um, one of the things I've been redoing is rereading all the original G.I. Joe comic books. Because I have them from issue one up. How do those hold up? The they surprisingly do. I mean, some uh, of the really early ones. Larry Hama, who wrote a lot of those, wrote a lot of Marvel cartoons and went on to be involved as like a producer on some shows and stuff. I I remember a very specific issue of GI Joe. There was, uh, I think, it was issue twenty-one. And it was called Silent Interlude, and there was no dialogue. It was mm-hmm. like a, it was a special Snake Eye story who doesn't talk, so yep. it stands to reason. And the only words in the whole comic were like words printed on a computer screen. And exactly. uh, it was such a cool thing, as I just remember, I'm like, there are no words in this. And they made a big deal about it, because I don't know of it ever being done again. But it was such a cool idea. And I don't know. I mean, I you wouldn't try and do that now, you know? No. I, I don't think. It's like with TV shows and movies, you know, you... 
you don't really try anything new anymore. And I haven't bought any kind of comic book regularly in a while, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that those G.I. Joe stories hold up. Some they of them to, really They have do. to be more entertaining than those G.I. Joe movies. Oh, God. Out. The television show and the movies were horrible. Anyway. Well, the cartoon, though, would always have the, uh, hey, kids, don't uh, cook when your parents aren't in the house exactly. or things like that. Dun, and it's like, dun, and now dun, you know, dun, and knowing's half, half the, the battle. battle. Uh, actually, it's funny you bring up Silent Interlude because I actually have the hardcover of that on my shelf. Um, they re-released oh. it a couple years ago with um, the original sketches, and there was actually a follow-up in like G.I. Joe 176. I, I'm, I'm making up that number oh. because that's the podcast number that you just put. That's just my brain yeah, thing. Sure. But it's like 150 or something, and they did Silent Interlude Part 2, but it's also got you know some commentary from Larry Hama and it. it's it's really cool to read, but I've actually I found a digital copy of that comic and um, I taught Year Six for a while and one of the things in the Australian curriculum are graphic texts and I actually teach part of that comic book in my curriculum. Because wow, why why weren't you my teacher? Well, you know? I, kids get it. I mean, kids love the story. They don't know the characters, but they just. I mean, it's really engaging, and you have to infer everything. And so it it is actually a really interesting lesson, and the kids love it. And I get to go back to my childhood and be like, hey, this is what I read when I was okay in third grade. But when I get to say like, well, when I was your age. But yeah, the older kids just really get it, and they love to, you know come up with their own story based on what they think is happening because there's no backstory. They just have to use that text. So I have the hard yeah. copy of that text. I have a digital copy of that um, comic. I have the real comic and I, yeah, I just have a ton of it, but I love that issue. They're, yeah, they're, no, no, it's, it's cool to know that it's available digitally because I don't like buy comics digitally, but I'd actually like to really look at that again, just to kind of see the art and see how they did telling that story. You know, that'd be uh, very cool to sort of revisit because I don't even know that I own that comic because I think my brother had the G.I. Joe comics. I, mm -hmm. I don't think I even have that like in my boxes, boxes and boxes, or as my wife might be thinking, is she hearing me say this boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes. <laughs> yeah. Well, my wife says I the same them. thing about toy soldiers. Yeah. So yeah, I get you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's a property that they're trying to figure out how to do right, which I don't think they have. And no, I, the problem is that, you know, like the Transformer movies make too much money, you know, so you don't have to make them good. The G.I. Joe movies, you don't have to make them good because people went to see them bad. It, it's too bad that because, you know, what have we found from the Marvel Studios, the Disney movies, exactly. which is that make them really good, then everyone likes them and then they want more of them. And Ant-Man never should have gotten a movie, but I'm sure glad he did because that yeah. was one of the most fun, one of the best ones that they did. It was and so Guardians. I think Guardians yeah. just got from the Guardians, same Guardians, cloth. Yeah. Definitely. Guardians of the Galaxy definitely didn't deserve a movie. Like When they started making Marvel movies, you weren't like, oh man, that Guardians of the Galaxy is going to be great. Exactly. You know, it's like, you know, you know who I'm excited for? Black Panther. You know? And but, yeah, uh, now I'm excited about Black Panther. I know he was great in the movie. I mean, he yeah you know, he's overshadowed by the fact that Spider Man's in there. And I make the point on my podcast: it's like, look, if you're taking anybody out, it's not Spider Man. I'm taking out Black Panther because Spider Man is so good in Civil War. Well, how good was Baron Zemo anyway? Like, we could talk Civil yeah, War. Yeah, no, no, Baron Zemo's great because it's like, you know, he's barely Baron. He's not Baron Zemo. He's, you know, he's just a guy, and you're just like, oh, don't worry, he'll he'll be pining away for a little while. But uh, yeah, so I mean, that movie was great. I thought. By the way, Civil War. I mean, it's oh yeah the fight scene, uh, the fight scene, the entire sequence, which is like twenty minutes at the airport, 
where we actually see Spider-Man in action. It's fantastic. Giant man, giant man, giant man, giant man. Spoilers. Or as, as Mr. Walken would say, fantastic is probably how he would say it. Exactly. Hold on. Before we get, if we talk Civil War, I want to talk about something. I just want to finish the last thought. I, sure, I, I, I totally agree that G.I. Joe um, sort of suffers from the they haven't figured out how to use that. It has this it gets painted by the same brush that the Transformers do, so to speak, where it's, as you say, they're making too much money to stop. And another childhood thing that I've gone back to reread recently is the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle black and white comic books or not black and white. Yeah, the no, original I, comics. Honestly, I've never read the like the Mirage Studios black and white. I've read some of them, but I haven't read that many of those. And I remember like, wow. These were really cool. By the time that we were kids, I think they weren't even really making new issues of the black and white one. No, they, they weren't. They just kind of sold it and been like, all right, let's count our money. You know, yeah, which, hey, exactly. by the way, more power to them. I'd love to have had a property like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that you were able to turn into, you know, a billion dollar franchise. Mm-hmm. And by the way, that first, the, 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 not first, you know, but the most recent Ninja Turtles movie and the sequel that's about to come out, I don't know. Those are fun. I, I don't know what I, I didn't like them. What do you expect from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Well, again, if they stuck to the comic books, it would have been great. They're, they're, they're turtles that live in the sewer, cha- trained by a giant rat, and they eat pizza. It's It all comes down to, like that movie, the standalone thing in the, the last Ninja Turtles movie is driving the truck through the snow and all that stuff. I'm like, great, that was fun. That's all I want. I want to just hang out with the Ninja Turtles, my friends, you know, yeah. my friends from the late 80s, early 90s. And yeah, I mean, it's hard to to visualize making like a, a, a gritty Ninja Turtles like the black and white comic yeah. books. But the whole point, I think, was that they don't take themselves so seriously. You know, it's not a, a Frank Miller ninja story, which it was definitely a, uh, a parody of. You know, exactly. Kind of well, it was all a Daredevil parody to start with. So Yeah, right, exactly. Which, you know, who like Daredevil has finally been done justice by Netflix, which I appreciate. Thank so I, I think there's there's hopes that things like G.I. Joe can be done right. Because if if we can ever get a movie where Serpentor is awesome and Zartan is awesome, like yeah. that's gonna be I wouldn't be able to handle that. Yeah, you know? exactly. So. Oh, I hear you, brother. I hear you. Well uh, mm, so hold on. Have you seen the trailer for Rogue One? I have. It looks good. It kind of fills in a gap. It, you know, we, there hasn't been enough Mon Mothma in movies, so I, <laughs> it's time we got more. Well, um, apparently Vader's in it. That was a tease. Well, like, Vader's sure. helmet's on the poster. And yeah, to well, get Vader it, again, I mean, that's... I, I don't even know if you're able to watch it, but um, there's... It's for it's for, for younger audiences. It's for kids. But the animated Star Wars Rebels show is actually really good. And yeah. we talked about it in the podcast. Uh, Vader shows up a few times on that, and it, it is James Earl Jones voicing Vader. Oh. And they had Lando, they had Billy D voicing Lando, they've had Frank Oz voice Yoda. You know, it's definitely for kids, but it's not. When we were kids, there was a Droids cartoon and an Ewoks cartoon. It's not like that. Yeah, you know, Which but it, it's actually pretty cool. It, it's more like the Clone Wars show, but it's a little bit kid friendlier because it's for the Disney Channel and not mm-hmm. for Cartoon Network. But they realize that Vader is, he's just such a great character. And there are, you know, there's what, like nine hours, less than nine hours of movie of Darth Vader. So there's a lot of stories you can still tell with the character, you know. And I know he's had some ongoing series of comic books and things. So that would be great if he's, to any extent, it would make sense because Rogue One takes place before uh, New Hope. So, you know, Vader. 
Vader in his day. Vader, yeah, that was, that was Vader in his prime, man, before he sold out. That's to right. The man, that was before he was corporate Vader. <laughs> I look, I think it looks good. I get the point, which my friend Will has made and others, is like, it's a story that you, you kind of know the story that it's going to tell. It's like, yeah. yeah, but it's interesting. Sometimes getting prequels, like Will doesn't like Gotham, the show about young Bruce Wayne. And right. I understand that he's like, well, ba- Batman's never going to be in it. And like, you cannot like the show, but the idea could still be interesting. And I, I think yeah. it is. I, exactly. I feel like you watched that, right? You watched I did. Uh, we watched first. a season of it. And it, yeah. it definitely had its high points and it definitely yeah. had its low points. Um, and we yeah. haven't watched but, it since, but we Yeah, will. well, I think the second season isn't on Netflix yet. And it has, yeah. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not really ruining that much. You know, it has Mr. Freeze in it. And yeah. it has a couple of characters that were already there. You kind of get to see a little bit mm-hmm. more. Anyway, so the point of that being, though, is, uh, look, I think that prequel stories can be told and be told very interesting. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that Rogue One can be really cool. And it's funny, though, because people see that trailer and they're just like they're angry that it's a female protagonist because yeah, Ray was yeah. the character in Episode 7. And I'm like, all right, you know, there's guys Settle in down. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, Dude, I'm, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure that Forrest Whitaker isn't a woman, and he's in there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, to get over it. But it's it's we're seeing a un. I mean, it's the first time in the Star Wars universe outside of the Ewok movie that we are getting you mean new Ewok characters. Movies, there were there were two Ewok movies. No, I'm not going into that. Well, actually, Ewok, the, even Adventure, Ewok, Ewok Adventure and Caravan of Courage. Um, the one with the the white people who crash on the planet is the one I'm thinking. Yeah, no, no, the same kids are in both movies. Oh, Jesus. Uh, okay, yeah, the my Ewok bad. Convention, the one you're thinking of, yeah. There were TV movies, there, even though they were released theatrically, internationally. There needed to be a much lower bar for those Ewok movies. <laughs> that being said, I think I was 9 and 10 the years that they aired. And even at 9 and 10, I was like, well, these aren't very good. <laughs> exactly. But what I love is we're not getting another, it's not a Han Solo movie. It's not a Chewbacca movie. That's coming. That's coming. No, I know it's coming, and I get that. But this is a movie where the main character you've never seen before, and you're not seeing other characters, but it's in the same universe. It's not like – because every now and then, you know, you read – at least I read, um, you know, a Star Wars novel or something. You're like, oh, this is really cool. You know, this is, you know, it's fun. It's something I like to read trashy sci-fi on airplanes and I travel, I used to travel a lot more, but when I'm traveling home, I always read, burn through a couple books. I'm a fast reader. And every time you read one of those Star Wars books, because they are always at the airport um, and you're like, oh, I've run out of books and I still have another six hours between LA and Boston. You know, let me pick up another book. And you pick up a Star Wars book and without fail, you're like, oh, you know, there's some characters, you know, Star Wars is happening. And then 30 pages in, Han Solo walks in. You're like, why? Like, yeah, the story exactly. was going great. Why? Did, and not that I don't love me some Han Solo, but let's talk about some other characters. Let's do something else. It's such a rich universe. So I'm really excited yeah, that no, they're no, no. teasing that out. You know, it's true. Like, as, as much as I like Wolverine, he doesn't need to be in every X-Men story that's ever told. You know? And so, yet. I agree. And he's yet, probably yeah, well, appearing in Apocalypse. He's probably appearing in it, but I don't think he's in it much if he is. So yeah. there, there is that. But yeah, I know. I think that they understood what it is that people like about Star Wars and what they didn't like about the prequels going into Episode 7. And there are people who very resoundingly 
did not like episode seven, but it's, you know, it is the minority, you know, that's, they're, they're not that worried about it. I don't know, I think they know what they're doing. And I think that, I don't know, at this point, I have faith, faith that they're going to make a great Star Wars movie. And, you know, if they prove me wrong, great. I, at one point, I was concerned about some of the Marvel movies. I really wasn't sure that first Captain America was going to be able to mm-hmm. be translated in the modern day. I didn't know about Thor. Um, but, uh, those both turned out great. Yeah. So, uh, you know, look, it's all, it's all, it's all under the big Disney umbrella. So, That's it. uh, at some point something's going to happen and, you know, not live up to those expectations, the high standards that they've had. But until then I'm uh, perfectly happy to, uh, I don't know. It was like we were saying and all the ramp up to Batman vs Superman. We all want it to be good. Yeah, you know, exactly. There were, there were, there are a small group of people who want these things to be bad, which I don't understand yeah. because, just think of how cool it's going to be when it's good, you know? So exactly. I could not have said that better. And as I've said before, and I think I've even said it on your podcast, it's a great time to be alive and to be a geek. It's just wonderful. To, it's true. I mean, it's so yeah. funny because, like, you know, people. It's it's all cyclical. It'll probably go back to being, you know, not cool to be a nerd and be a geek and like all this stuff. It'll have to come back around at some point. But it's like it's funny to kind of think about being, you know, high school age right now, and and, and it's okay to like all this stuff. In fact, a lot of people like stuff like this. It's okay to like comic book movies and stuff and be in college, which, it, you know, there weren't good comic book movies when we were in college. There were the good Tim Burton Batmans, uh, Batman, I exactly. guess. What, but that, those were really it. I mean, there weren't mm-hmm. good comic book movies. And there there would always be things, you know, and I'm just thinking about this off the top of my head. There would be things that would transcend it. Like Terminator is a sci-fi story, but everybody loved Terminator too. you exactly. know? So there would be exceptions. And Whereas now it's nobody like just, likes Predator 2 other than me. Nobody likes Predator 2. Nobody likes Predator versus Aliens. No. Nobody likes Predator versus Aliens versus Batman versus Superman versus Captain America yeah. versus Iron Man. Although I'd actually see that. I'd like to see them all fight. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, look, it is a great time. There's so much great content coming out and, you know even as recently as a, as like four, definitely five years ago, I never thought there would come a time where I would actually be even remotely knowledgeable and find enjoyable, you know, watching Doctor Who, which is when we were kids. It, was mm-hmm. like, it really felt like the worst thing on television. It probably wasn't. But it was like, it was, you know, the old ones were shot on videotape and the effects were so bad. Mm-hmm. And talked about about uh tom baker and the long scarf and it was just like there was just something so unappealing about it but then it's just like you know it's like well if you make things better you have better production values it's a little bit more accessible you know so even like closed-minded nerds can like stuff like this well it's the same way that if you make good x-men movies you make good avengers movies the general public will be like, oh, I'm really excited to see Captain America versus Iron Man in a movie because I'm invested in both of those characters and, you know, I've enjoyed them already. For average moviegoers who aren't comic book fans to be excited about a movie like that, I agree with you. It's a it's a great time to like all of this stuff. Agreed. I Now, I, this is going to make for really bad radio, but um, last night was in Australia was Friday night and... My wife's ramping up to finish her master's um, and has been really just studying hard, burnt out. We're both really tired because um, I'm doing mine and working at the same time and et cetera, et cetera. But we sat down, we you know went out and had a burger, just relaxed, and then came home and put on a really bad movie from the 90s. And of course, the second I was going to, oh, Mortal Kombat. And I was trying to Mortal think of what Kombat. it was. And we were thinking like, 
we hadn't watched it in forever. And just from the first second of that movie starting, like my wife kept looking over at me. And at the end, Kirsten just looked at me and said, you know, you've been scowling at the television for most of this movie. And I was like, this is shit. How did I enjoy this? And it just led to a really awesome conversation about the 90s. And it reminded me of another good friend of ours, uh, Ahab. At one point, I remember drunkenly having a conversation with me in a New Orleans dive bar after we were throwing darts and listening to ACDC. He just looked at me and said, look, this is a time in history where women are dressed the most unappealingly ever. And I was just, what? And it just... See, that's if stunning you... that, he, that he was cognizant of it in the 90s because we've talked about this on the podcast. Oh, I did you? I didn't know that. Well, no, no, at some point. And I literally would have this conversation regularly with my friend Brian who appeared. He was the one who went to the Nevada caucus. Mm. And he has worked on college campuses and it's just, it, you know, look, there's nothing lascivious about noticing the fact that girls now present themselves in a very different way and when we went to college, yeah. you know, I will talk often about how girls would show up for class in like overalls and, you know, not like cute, sexy overalls, like the kind of overalls where you would probably be working on the railroad after class. My, you know? my uncle and, Wilbur war. Yeah. yeah. From Iowa. Yeah. And, and, I'm not yeah, even exaggerating that that person exists. That's, yeah. That's really funny. Of course. Oh yeah. I know you have, the, there's like the Iowa morons. Yeah. yeah. And you know, there was just a whole thing that this, this, look, this, the semi tongue in cheek part, the joke part that I say is like, we had the misfortune of going to college when girls had self esteem and didn't have oh. eating disorders and the numbers that they yeah. do now. So we suffered, but uh, obviously I don't know what's going on. What exactly went on at that point but yeah. i think the spice girls just gave all the girls girl power and then yeah. once the spice girls were gone they didn't believe in themselves so well, i gotta say that need, uh, you know, to bring it all, all, all full circle that's why we need people like ray in star wars episode seven there you go. girls feel good about there you go. that's why black widow needs her own movie agreed well kirsten and i did ta- have the same conversation last night and she was talking she agreed she said that she couldn't believe that high you know high-waisted jeans that made people's abdomens look like they were three feet long were a good idea and like it was just terrible but she was like yeah equally bad though were what guys were wearing in the 90s and i had a good thing back and i was like you know what you're 100 percent right everyone looked terrible in the 90s oh yeah no 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 because i mean it's like look, this isn't the way that i dressed in the 90s i mean there was way too much flannel in my wardrobe because i thought that well see i lived somewhere cold though, yeah i was gonna so say you live somewhere like, cold it, when you moved to new orleans back. though when i went from yeah. boston to new orleans so i had flannel yeah. and i went Honestly, to new orleans and it was like Okay, I'm putting the flannel in a drawer, and I wore shorts for literally years at a time, but there were people who lived in flannel down there, and you were like, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, I live in Los Angeles now. I wear shorts most of the time because it's always hot, but honestly, my attire in the 90s isn't that different from now. In fact, I still have plenty of t-shirts still from the 90s that I'm proud of. Me too. Fortunately for my wife, I can't part with, but at least I still wear them. I wore a Mystery Science Theater 3000 t-shirt from literally from 20 years ago the other night. So, you know, I need these things. But uh, with guys, it was a lot of bad haircuts. Like our friend Adam and our friend John, I have pictures with them of some of the worst haircuts, but more importantly, painfully bad facial hair. Uh, Hold on. Before we get to that, I I love how you are skating past when I had hair. You did have hair. You had the squig. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I I don't think you 
It's like the one squig of hair because what you shaved everything else and you just had the little squig in the front. Uh, the squig. What, yeah. what Christian's talking about. I shaved my ha- originally. It started with shaving the sides and back, and it was like a flat top on top almost. But I had long bangs in the front that eventually narrowed to just between sort of the section of hair between my eyes on my forehead, and it. it I grew it long, and I would put it behind my ear. I don't know what I was thinking, but man, I had that for years. You did, but I, I don't know. I mean, there. You look. And people wonder know. why I shave my head. Yeah, like by I'd say like what 1997, 1998, mm-hmm. you were shaving your head. You know. Oh yeah. This is this, this was just you. You know, kind of clutching on to the the remnants of of having the the luxurious hair you once had. This but yeah, the point, the overall point you're making is true. Like you know, in general, like guys look terrible too. It wasn't really us and our friends were talking about. But if you think about the ways that guy, the way that guys would dress, who like dressed up to like go to school and stuff, I don't. Don't know about where you went to school in Massachusetts, but you know there there was a very popular uh, clothing store uh, that would sell Z Cavaricci everything, and it was, it was awful clothes that were very expensive. And I was just I don't know. It was one of the first times that I appreciated being relatively lower end middle class when you can't even think about affording ridiculously overpriced clothes. Yeah. So. Everybody looked bad in the 90s. But you know what? Right when the 90s started, we thought everybody looked bad in the 80s. I don't know. So at some point, I don't know, though. It's hard to imagine the retro 90s look catching on. But I'm sure it'll happen because it's happened for, you know, we have in our lifetime, we've seen retro 60s, 70s and 80s. So retro 90s has to be happening. God, I hope not. I just Um, I'll probably get a vanilla ice haircut at some point. (laughs) You, know, you shave your eyebrows and like that too? Yeah, of course I am. And, uh, you know, I'm sure I could get a pair of MC Hammer pants if only I tried hard enough. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready for you to keep it, uh, keep it a hundred. Keep it 100. Keep yeah. It 100. Well, that was, that's what, uh, that's what the girl said in, in Creed. So we've oh, I've been, I still haven't seen Creed. I missed it in cinemas. I was just, oh, really? busy at the, well, it's great. Yeah. It's sensational. I need to see it. Everyone tells me this. I know I'm going to see it. I just, I just happened to miss it. And so, when it comes out here on uh, DVD, I will get it. So, All right, my man. Well, I feel like our time may be wrapping shortly. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about today? Wait, we've only talked for an hour and 20 minutes. Aren't we going to talk for two more hours? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Just because I teased it at the beginning. Yes, please. Not It's not my story. Let me tell Dennis Miller's Mike Tyson story. It's very quick, actually. Uh, at one point in his career, Dennis was someone who was host of the MTV Video Music Awards. He did it actually two years. I think the second year he did it, Oasis performed. You know, it's not really his thing. Yeah. And uh, one of the brothers, I know their last names are Gallagher. Gallagher, I don't know yeah. which one. Noel or Liam. Um, one of them, like, finished performing as soon as he did. He just like tossed his beer up in the air and it like, you know, spilled on people in the crowd, which is an obnoxious thing to do anywhere, but it's not really what you do at an award show that's being filmed for television. So they cut back to Dennis afterwards and uh, he says, Ooh, he spilled a beer, like exactly like that. You don't see that going with the Oasis boys. They have a reputation for having temper. Yeah, well, this is why this is such a great story. Is that uh, he caught wind that uh, oh, it's Noel. I actually remember now which one because it's, it's important in the story. He remembers that Noel was looking for him. He heard it, 
And he's like, all right, whatever, you know, it's just a rock star, I'll, I'll find me, whatever. And just before he found him, you know, Dennis was in his little dressing room area, and he knows Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was there, and he came in, and he's like, Mike, can you do me a favor? He's like, yeah, sure. You just sit in here for a little bit. <laughs> one of the one of the punks from uh, Oasis is looking for him. He's like, sure, no problem. So Mike Tyson sits in Dennis's dressing room, and he gets a bowl of the the little cheese crackers called goldfish. They're shaped like yeah. fish. I realize not everywhere in the world do they get those. So that's yeah. why I'm being overly descriptive. So he's sitting there eating a bowl of, of you know, <laughs> not real goldfish. He's having, you know, snack cheese crackers. Yeah. And he's sitting there eating. And so Noel Gallagher kind of storms into his dressing room. And Dennis is like, Oh, Hey, no, you know, my friend, Mike Tyson and Tyson's sitting there and he's like, hi, no want a goldfish. And he just offers him the ball, and then Noel Gallagher like storms off, and he's like, you know, he is not going to be a big man with the uh, the former world heavyweight champion Mike Tyson uh, in the room. Yeah. So I thought it was a great way to diffuse the situation. You know, I wish I had that story, but uh, I heard Dennis tell it enough times that uh, since Mike Tyson came up, what I won't tell is the story about how Madonna hid Dennis's clothes uh, what? The next year. Yeah. Uh, what? Well, it, it, it's short, actually. She just yeah. thought he was an asshole. And uh, so she went into his dressing room and hid his clothes, like under the sink. And Dennis was in his dressing room, you know, getting trying to get dressed so that he would go home and he couldn't find them anywhere. And she was on the post show with Kurt Loder of MTV News. And she said something about, oh, she, I think he asked, like, what did you think of Dennis Miller? And she's like, I think he's an asshole. In fact, I hid his clothes in his dressing room. I put them under the sink, and then Dennis like looks under the sink, and there they are. And he's like, he's like, I don't know, I don't know why Madonna hid my clothes, but uh, it was very funny <laughs> that uh, that's how he found out where they were because she was like bragging about it on the post show. Oh. The Mike Tyson story is much better. Yeah, it's you know? awesome. Now hold on, Look, there's... in podcasting, it's a, in podcasting you should quit while you're ahead, but this is. Yeah, but these are, these are guys who've done two, three-hour episodes, so you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. Now hold on. There is one other thing I want you to talk about. Now you and my buddy John, um, our mutual friend, you two are the biggest Alice Cooper fans I have ever, ever even heard of. Now possibly, you, yeah, possibly. Now you. Uh, well, my friend, I don't know. I mean, my friend Dan has seen him a lot more than John. John hasn't seen him that much in you know recent years. I would say at this point, my wife has seen Alice Cooper more than John has, but we were huge fans in the nineties. Exactly. Probably talking about. Yes. And, uh, that continues. And I, I was lucky enough to get to meet him once, which was great. And we actually, I was working for Dennis at the time and I knew that Dennis knew him. And I know that Alice Cooper actually plays golf, yes. which might sound crazy, but he had like a, you know, like he plays a, a lot, doesn't golf. he? Yeah. But he had a, a well-documented, like horrific drinking, yeah, problem that threatened to tear apart his life. So he cleaned up and he needed to replace that with something and he replaced it with golf, which the amount of golf he plays, it tells you how much drinking he did. So anyway, I just joked with him about how Dennis was a terrible golfer and he did a uh, charity golf tournament with the former basketball player, Charles Barkley. Mm -hmm. And they were so bad. They were terrible that people started following them to watch how bad they were, Dennis and Charles Barkley. And I know Alice thought it was hysterical. But anyway, <laughs> what was the point you wanted to make about Alice? Cooper? And I may be making this story up, but I seem to remember there being a thing where like you were being the consummate professional and you were doing your thing and then um, you know, introducing Alice Cooper to doing this show with Alice Cooper because he was a guest. And then at the end, Dennis was like, come on, you know you're a big fan. Be the fanboy. And you were like, okay, can I get the signed? 
Or may, am I making that up that, completely? You're actually making that part up. Oh, my bad. That, that, that probably happened with someone. Although okay. I'm trying to think of who it was. I feel like Dennis probably did do that about something, and I got something signed. It wasn't with Alice Cooper. The story I told where I met him was the only time, and it was like through his publicist, I was able to go to like an after show, like meet and greet thing. Okay. And I uh, got some pictures with him and stuff, and uh, he's great. My wife and I are going to see him again, not on Halloween, but halloween eve all hollows eve eve uh we're gonna see him at the pantages theater in hollywood and he's at this point he's like 67 maybe and he still puts on a great show he's probably a lot more entertaining to see than you know a lot of these uh performers that are under 30 at this point so you know so anyway that's uh sorry that wasn't the story that that you wanted to go out the best story that i could didn't really happen that's all right that's all right I wish that there was a story about how, you know, Alice Cooper beat up Noel Gallagher because then that would tie it all together. It would. But, you know, what we can do is we can always, you can always get back around in podcasting and radio is you always just close it out with the plugs. That's right. Now, speaking of plugs, uh, if you have liked what you have heard today, please, of course, look for both the LRDG podcast on iTunes or look for the Blatcast. That's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T dot. Oh, no, that's just the Blatcast. And then yeah, the you website can go to, you can is, go to of course, You can go to blackcast.com dot com. and just that's right. for Blatcast spelled that way. Uh, just the website's the easiest way because the links are to SoundCloud and Twitter and Facebook. It's the Blatcast on Facebook and at Blackcast on Twitter. And me personally, I'm at Christian D as in Dennis, M as in Miller, Z as in Zone. So Christian DMZ on Twitter. Um, I think those are all of my plugs, but uh, the Blackcast is very much in tune with this conversation that Brad and I have had. Exactly. Except I, more I, entertaining because he's I, got better co-hosts. <laughs> what I can do is like I like, I could steal this interview that we did and post it as an episode of the Blackcast, and you be can? like, yep, this would be very much in line with what we would have done if you were on my podcast, which you've been many times, and only once did we accidentally delete the file. So, <laughs> To be fair, that one probably should have been deleted anyway. You didn't like the way that one went, but no. the problem was, was that John was in that one, so I felt yes. really bad. That was, yeah, we have deleted it, not on purpose. It, it, it was my fault. I should have had like a flash drive with all the files on it at that point. That's how I learned to start doing that. But anyway... Exactly. Look, I appreciate you having me on and uh, talking to me this long. You know, we could have talked much longer, so we have plenty more to talk about. So Dude, that just uh, means we'll have to have you to, on another time, and yeah, we can talk I'd, more. Sure, I'd be happy to come on again, and uh, happy to have you on again, and figure out a way where we can get this simulcast. We could do an episode that's an episode of both shows. You know, look, we can be we can re- revolutionize the world only if you sign up for Twitter. <laughs> oh, do I have to? <laughs> Just Dave gonna, keeps trying better. to get me to do it too. He keeps telling me that you know that's how the the kids do it. But oh god, I just don't know. I'm too old. You're barely older than me. Uh, anyway, thank you so much, Brad. I appreciate being on, and uh, I hope your uh, audience enjoyed it. And I hope that uh, people check out the Blackcast. And I hope that our Blackcast listeners listen to this, and it'll it'll make Admiral Walken very happy. There you go. Well, all I got to say is no, you literally said. <laughs> it's a tra- oh do that again except i won't except talk, talk over, over you over me you know it's a trap uh, i'm gonna have to the first i'm gonna have over. to mix that into uh yeah. the star wars armada podcast that uh you originally you did know, that for it's a trap <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, well, you can do it yourself too. It's, would, it's easy enough. No, it's no, I, it's got to be. Well, you know, what? I did actually want to talk about that. I'll take one second. Oh yeah, please. That impression, that Christopher Walken impression, it's an impression of a comedian named Jay Moore's impression that he used to do on Saturday Night Live. He has the perfect Christopher Walken impression. Any impression you hear is basically an impression of his. Yeah. Although the actor Kevin Pollack has a podcast and he does a really good one too. It's a little different. But um, and actually, uh, Kevin Spacey did an amazing Christopher Walken. If you remember, yes. there in this day and age, it would be a viral video. But it was Star Wars auditions for when the special editions came out. It, it was Christopher Walken auditioning for Han Solo, and I think that's actually the one that I latched onto was why I started doing it at that time period because that was 1997. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Oh, she's fast enough for you, old man." You mean you never heard of the Millennium Falcon? It made the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. Anyway, it was amazing. I mean, you know. It was, I am mining this, Kevin, by the way, for. It was Kevin uh, Spacey, yeah. and it was so much better than the way I just did it. But oh. it, it's so fantastic. And uh, that's where that came from. That's why I was doing it so much in the 90s. And that's mm-hmm. why our mutual friend, Shay Mack, to this day, will still ask me to give him a little. Can I get a what, what, you know, things like that. Like yeah. Shay loved it even more than you did, which was crazy. So I, love um, it. I don't even know how much it actually sounds like Christopher Walken, but uh, I, I do it to keep you entertained, sir. Anytime. Well, dude, I'm glad you do. It's uh, it is a entertaining and uh, it makes my face hurt because I'm smiling so much. So <laughs> it's, it's wonderful, man. It's awesome. Well, you literally because you're a consummate professional, you have said everything I was going to finish the show with um, the down to the check out this that and everything we've talked about, except you actually did it well. So I'm just going to say. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us uh, for another exciting episode. And I have to say huge thanks to you, Christian, for coming on. And it's Absolutely. just it's, Happy it's to do it. awesome, awesome to sit down and talk to you again. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Mate, uh, I know that you always take uh, my wife and I out and show us the best time when we are in L.A. Like L.A., I used to not like flying through L.A., but now it's one of my favorite parts of going home because, A, I get to see you and your, your beautiful wife, Heather, and I'm looking forward to meeting Felix, your, you know, your little son. He already has more hair than you, though, so oh. don't be jealous. Oh, I'm super jealous. One of these years, we got to get you down under. I'll return the favor. I'll have you make me some Vegemite toast, okay? <laughs> I will do that. All right. And we will see you next time on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>